Welcome to Timeline Scavenger. Nope, what is that? Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. In this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. Absolutely, James. And we are in for a very fun episode today. This clip is, uh, well, let me just give you the timestamp here first and foremost. It is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 2, starting at 27 minutes and 32 seconds and ending at 28 minutes and 50 seconds. So just a little bit of a behind-the-scenes peek at how we operate. We have a spreadsheet that has the entirety of our timeline that we are covering on the show in perpetuity, and uh, it always gives just a little bit of a description of what's happening, mostly so we remember where we are and everything, but also so that when we're sort of deciding who's going to take which episode to um, sort of lead and present and everything like that, we kind of know what that scene is about without having to always go back and rewatch it for like the fifth or seventh time. And so James has done something very clever here. You see, a couple weeks ago, I did uh, host an episode that was an episode that came out on 2622. And that description for that episode was Koenig plays host. And now here we are on 32022 that uh, the description for this episode is Koenig plays guest. So it's a very good callback, and James has done a very good job with this. And I just want to give James his flowers in this moment. Say oh. that, you know, you do a very good job of keeping us on track and giving us fun little things, whether they are for everybody or if it's just for you and me behind the scenes. You know, you're always keeping it fresh and keeping it fun. So I appreciate hey, that. Thank you. Thank you. If I may, my, my other favorite thing, which that's my... my Canic plays host, Canic plays guest. My favorite thing I did for 1931. Second favorite is the episode I called "May Wants to Leave," which I was I was very pleased with because um, <laughs> it's so it's a very annoying way to put <laughs> the description of what happens in that episode. I mean, it is true. It's like ah, uh, she just wants to get out of there. It's like you know when you have a kid and like the, yeah. it's past their time of like I can withstand being around your friends kind of thing yeah and they just start going mom yeah oh yeah. my god like can we go it's like that's that when you my take them to the this... grocery store or whatever and they're like exactly oh. my kids have this uh this thing called uh the long adult conversation which is their resigned way of saying all right well i guess let's go find something to do because the adults are talking for a long time we do not want to be here for this <laughs> That I mean, yeah, that's fair. I've been there, you know? Yeah, for sure. Honestly, sometimes, even as an adult, I've been like, oh, God, there's oh, going to be a while. Maybe even more so. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can see it coming a mile away. And I have to stay because I'm one of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just go, and disassociating in three, two, one, and just nod for the next five minutes. Then break in with a Simpsons quote that isn't appropriate, but is what I was thinking about. Wait, is that why you do that on this show? No, I'm kidding. Okay, so... Getting to the actual, like, meat and potatoes or whatever you want to call it of the episode. Yeah. Uh, this is the moment. Koenig has a blindfold on. Now, before you go, oh, kinky. Uh, it's not quite like that. Koenig. Not, hang on. Not Koenig. Sorry. Coulson begins to remove it. He says, I trust this will be our little secret. Not that many people have been inside our joint. 
And Canning's like, oh, well, I feel so special. And excuse me if I'm not impressed, because Canning thinks that his little underground fortress of solitude is pretty dope, even though someone immediately was able to shatter that door right <laughs> off the frame. But, you know, still, he thinks he's he's got kind of like the top of the line situation. Yeah. And then the blindfold comes off. And he immediately freezes. Colson says, welcome aboard, Mr. Koenig. Well, Koenig is impressed, to say the least. He <laughs> sort of hits a mental overload. You can see yeah. the moment where, if this was a cartoon, steam would be coming out of his ears. Not yeah. of like anger, but like the engine is just, you know, just churning so fast. He's like uh, a newly booted up Colson. Yeah, pretty much exactly that. what that is. His breathing starts to become extremely rapid. He's looking around a lot. and he's, it, I'm going to cut down some of the stammering, but I want to point out that pretty much any start of a sentence is usually repeated about three or four times. This is, this is a rocket ship. This is a real-life rocket ship. And Koenig, nope, sorry, not Koenig. Coulson just sort of smiles a little bit and nods at him. And then from across the room, he sees Enoch and goes, is that, is he, this is one of those, uh, electric men. Oh, 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 a robot. Is this a robot? And he knocks on his head like it's a door. Just like, it's like, oh, hang on. Can I get anything that, I don't have anything metal, but it's like, he kind of like knocks yeah. very gently on his head as if it's like going to open up. And, uh, Enoch just kind of oh, calmly. Oh, that, was, that was horrible. Sorry. You're good. Enoch says, I am not a robot. I am a chronicom. If you'll excuse me, I must go fix my face. Uh, kind of getting a little diva-ish in a way there, yeah. but then Enoch leaves. And so then Koenig addresses the entire room. He says, you're all from outer space. You're all Martians. And Coulson kind of laughs a little bit and says, feels like it sometimes, but no, we are not Martians. And now, Mr. Koenig, if you'd kindly take us to hell. <laughs> Which, again, as we recall from a previous episode, was just a right. place that he magically knew about. And now it's a reference that we know. So this line mm -hmm. hit perfectly. Exactly. Just... <laughs> uh, Koenig is still having a hard time coming to terms with what he's seeing as the ship begins to take off. I also want to point out that although everyone's always been so annoyed with Koenig from the start of the whole time travel thing, when he's kind of prattling on, it is somewhat fun for all of them. Like Absolutely. you can see the other people kind of like kind of enjoying the moment of, of yeah. his mind breaking a little bit. Yeah. They're kind of like, yeah, I mean, to us it's normal, but like, I guess, yeah, it is kind of cool, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Huh, huh. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's the guy that was, that's been like, yeah, I have the top of the line, everything being like, I don't even know what line this is. Right. I, I've been in the wrong line. I'm in the wrong <laughs> industry entirely. Kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, it's for sure him being like, hey, it's me, the inventor of the McRib. Yeah, it's pretty great what I've invented. And then he went to <laughs> Texas and was like, this is real barbecue. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, wow. This is, y'all have a science here. Um, wow. Sorry, Daniel. I don't think they're really known for ribs, though, there, are they? No, but you said barbecue. Well, but I mean, yeah, whatever. Texas is better anyway. And I'm, I'm not going to st stand by that. Wow. Texas no, has better is, barbecue. This is, this is just a... Kyle, if you ever want to get Kyle and Daniel riled up, just say Absolutely, one of yeah. them has better. Exactly. Or that like Kansas City barbecue is better or whatever. That's it's it's okay. I, I don't know what it is about Kansas City that doesn't hit well for me. thing is, I think that they both do something different and like at different the times. The fact that it's both in Kansas and Missouri. Yeah. No, but I mean like for 
Texas versus Carolina. I just want to point out, and this is not the yeah. point I know, but uh, they both do something different is the main thing, though. And so yeah. there are times where I will certainly go for one thing over another. Yeah. But I will say, like, overall, overall things like your brisket and stuff like that. I'm so sorry, Carolina. I know y'all think it's like end all be all, and it is good. I don't want to, don't want you to get it twisted. Oh, it's good. All our Carolina listeners are gone. Okay. Well, listen, I'm sorry, but y'all just got to understand that, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't be perfect at everything. Listen, y'all got the canes. Okay. You're doing great there. Texas doesn't have anything Sugar on the cane. canes. No, I'm talking um, about the hockey team. Anyway. So that being said, that all of that well, hopefully tracks. Are. Yeah, they've done it again. They're off topic. <laughs> but listen, there's no Freddy. We've already discussed the Chronicoms. We've already discussed um, the Zephyr. So I have um, a I have a wish. I have a wish, a line a wish. wish. A line I wish. I wish he had said robot. That would have been very fun. I do, but here's the thing. It's just like when he randomly goes coppers, right? right? It'd be such an odd choice to suddenly have an accent. But like Robot isn't even an accent. It's how, for whatever reason, they pronounced it back then. But see, and I don't we think didn't they start all do. It. I hear me. I robot think... was. I don't know. I it's think also... it might have been too tropey to do, yeah. and maybe that was a decision maybe. on someone's. But it's also or... really funny because we actually did some of the research for the history of robots. Remember? Well, that's right. You did. That's right. And, and I so probably already up discussed robot. it. So it's like. <laughs> Oh, if I, if I wish I'd known that, yeah. like at the time, if I'd known that that was going to come up, I would have just saved that for now. But yeah, you know, yeah. at this point it's too late. We've go back to episode, hang on. Oh, it's like, it's like the fourth episode of, of the yeah. whole 1931 stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been a ways away. It was, um, one, two, three, four. That was nine twenty two twenty one. That's Very how long nice. ago that was. Uh, but anyway, that's all yeah. that there is for that. So, James, I have a question yeah. for you. Yep. We've talked radio. Yeah. We've talked music. Mm. We've talked television. Yeah. We've talked movies. Yeah. What else is there left to talk about in 1931? Still radio. Oh, um, okay. We... <laughs> that's why I tag on my face then. Uh, so we're going through the sort of timeline of events of 1931 in radio. Mm-hmm. Um January 27th, 1931, a show called Clara, Lou, and M debuts on the NBC Blue Network as a late evening program. The Blue Network, of course, known for its majority swearing policies. Um, I'm joking. I mean, I guess, for all I know. I'm, as far as I know, I'm joking. Um, and then on February 15th, 1932, it moved to a morning time slot. So it started off as a late night and then moved to a morning time slot uh, a year later. Uh, it is a soap opera, which aired on June 16th, 1930, over WGM, WGN AM Chicago, which is still a thing. Like, that's WGN is still, like, where I used to watch, like, Bozo the Clown from Chicago. It's still the network in Chicago. Um, hmm. The show was picked up by the NBC Blue Radio Network and premiered at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time on January 27th, 1931. Thus, it became the first nationally broadcast radio soap opera. And then when Clara, Lou, and M was moved to a regular daytime slot on February 15th, 1932, it became the first networked daytime soap opera. 
The first daytime serial drama by installment program, network or otherwise, is widely considered by scholars of the genre to be Painted Dreams when it premiered in October 1930. And I included that just to really take let us take a, just a moment to think about scholars of the genre of radio, 1930s radio soap opera. I love them. So what's the difference between like radio dramas versus soap operas for radio? So I, I don't know if soap opera was the was the term. Oh, is that just what we apply to it dark? now? Well, soap operas, of course, were were are called that because they were they were sponsored by soap companies. And they were four housewives who were home, and who they wanted to market these soap, these you know laundry detergents to. So they had to like hook them in, you know, as, you know, as all radio and TV is basically just what you watch when you're not watching the commercials, and somewhere somewhere along the way we switched that. Right. Um, so kind of like how when I want to decide on what car I want to buy, I watch the most recent Marvel movie and say, what's the car that they predominantly show you blowing up? Exactly. That's the car I want to get. Yeah, exactly. Because it's blowing up in my own consciousness. Um, so I, I don't <laughs> know if soap opera is the, is the right thing uh, that they would call it back then. Um, a serial drama would be sort of like, um, you know, like, you know, next, next time on such and such. On like Lone Ranger. Oh, and Claire, stuff like yeah. That. Yeah. Sort of that, that. Yeah. Right. Lone Ranger was a serial and then drama, I would imagine, is as opposed to like a Western or a mystery or a, you know, sky captain in the world of tomorrow sort of stuff. Um, was Dragnet a radio mystery? Yes. Or was that, okay. It, it was a radio. I mean, like it was, it was, it was, I think, 40s, maybe early to mid 40s. But yes, it's Dragnet for sure started off as a, as a radio program. So I wasn't sure if I was remembering yeah. that correctly or not. So, uh, the, yeah, cool. TV shows that that made the move to TV are wild to me. I mean, the they're basically shows the podcast. That made the move to TV, you mean? Right, radio shows yeah. that made the move to TV are like podcasts becoming TV shows, almost literally. But like in the same genre of like this was an audio format, and now we're adding a visual to it, and that's wild. Um, like when like a like when a, a prestige documentary radio show turns into a you know TV miniseries. Like like mm-hmm. a Dirty John sort of deal. Um, so I mean, that right. was, that's what Tiger King was. You know what I mean? It, right, exactly. That's true. That's very. It true. was like All a right. podcast so, miniseries, and then it became a whole you know documentary series. That's true. That's true. All right, Clara Lou and M continued in various forms through the 30s and early 40s on NBC Blue Network and CBS, finally airing a, a syndicated series in 1945. It began as a Northwestern University sorority sketch by Louise Starkey, who played Clara. Isabel Carruthers, who played Lou, and Helen King, who played M. Three of the most 1930s college women's names I've ever heard in my entire life. Louise Starkey, Isabel Carruthers, and Helen King. Um, Sorry, and quick, Peggy. Was M... <laughs> M Peggy. Uh, was M, like, literally just the letter M or E-M? E-M. As in, so, uh, as in like M Clara, L-U, and then E-M. Mm-hmm. So, like, Louise and, and Emily or something. Right. Um, rejection by several radio executives in Chicago led the trio to WGN. Program manager Henry Selinger was skeptical of their re- working without scripts, but their audition convinced him to let them perform without pay. What a guy. Sounds like any <laughs> podcaster, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you'll do it for uh, what is it? exposure. You're going to do this for mm-hmm. exposure. Um, they eventually began writing their own scripts and receiving pay. 
Super Suds was a sponsor of the program as early as August 1930. So there it is. It was a soap opera. Super Suds presents Clara Lou and M. The storyline centered on three women who lived in a small town duplex. Clara Roach and her family lived on one side of the duplex. Emma Kruger lived with her family on the other side. Widow Lulu Casey lived upstairs with her daughter, Flora Bell. Flora Bell is something that I have to get my brain around. I may need to do that off air. Um, When Carruthers suddenly died on January 8th, 1937, at age 32, Starkey and King decided not to continue. Until 1942, when they brought it back to CBS, another of their Northwestern University friends, Harriet Allen, portrayed Lou. The show ran three times a week during the daytime, and then in 1945, it became a syndicated version of the show uh, where Alan continued as M, along with Fran Allison as Clara and Dorothy Day as Lou. So, wow, I can't even think of what this is like because it's 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 like you know Batman or Spider Man or any of these MCU these superhero stuff where you recast everyone, but it's still the same thing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's a TV show. I guess I mean it's like a soap opera, actually. I do know what it's like. It's like a soap opera, which is Mm -hmm. exactly what it was. So that is Clara, Lou, and M, which on January 27th, 1931, first debuted as the first radio daytime, daytime radio serial, and also uh, first nationally broadcast radio daytime serial. Cool. So women on the radio not getting paid until they write their own scripts. So, you know, at least they got paid, I guess, eventually, he said, justifying male behavior. Colin, I'm going to take us to some social media where I'm going to talk about some social media handles and and uh, ads. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I think. Okay, I I'm into that. Okay, but only if you can recast all of us. Okay, Kyle Turner as Colin can be found on Twitter at Colin M Parker. Hmm. Mason. Last name redacted can be found at as playing me at unabashed James. Um, you can find our show, finish it at Scavengers. <laughs> uh, you can find our show, uh, finish it at Timeline Scav on the Radiotopia Network at Scavengers Net. Uh, our composer good. of our show, John Williams, can be found on Whoa, big get. Uh, tw- Twitter at actually not weirdly. Oh, not that he's just sort of around. He's, he's like, just, can I compose your score? He's like, We're I'm like, retired. Does it so, have you sweeping know. themes? And he's like, yes. I'm like, fine. It's like, um, yeah, as if that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> what is the alternative? Um, so uh, you can find him on Twitter at N B R A M A L D or Nick Bramald Composer And that is, I hope. That, that was the still vi- hopefully very clear recasting of everyone involved in the social media of Timeline Scavengers. Perfect. I hope that you all will continue to tune in and get used to these new castings. I know it's hard, but uh, everyone is very attractive. So that should be very helpful. And that's going to do it for us uh, for today. I am Mason. Woo! And I'm Kyle Turner. Hey, did you know that I've lived in Canada and Texas? I'm going crazy with voices. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it does kind of do that. Um, Excelsior. Excelsior. Hey, everyone. Sound effect, sound effect, sound effect. Excelsior.
the Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.